Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Sensei. My name is Erin O'Dowd, and on today's show we have Chuck Bergman. He is an author of The Psychic Cop, a retired police officer in Salem, Massachusetts, a medium who was mentored by James Van Prague, and tell us about how he discovered his psychic gift at the age of five, and also tells us about how it developed, as well as police officers having the ability of intuition and many more. He shares his stories, experiences, and is a guest on You Are What You Love radio show on Contact Talk Radio. His website is www.chuckbergman.com. Hello and welcome to the show, Chuck. How are you doing today? Doing great. Having a busy day, but uh, things are going great here in Florida. Oh, excellent. At least you have the sunshine. Yeah, it took a little while, but yeah, everything is great. Tell us a bit about how you discovered being psychic and spirituality. Okay, for me, it really happened when I was a little boy. Um, I clearly remember one night when my grandmother had come over from England to visit us here in Florida. And I think up to that point, I was going through what a lot of people will go through where you're lying in bed and you think you see something moving in the closet or, you know, you're seeing faces around you or whatever. But with my grandmother, what happened when I, when she came over the very first night, mom and dad, you know, took advantage of the situation, went out for the evening and uh, I started seeing all these scary faces around my bed and I couldn't sleep. So she took me into the living room and asked me, you know, what was going on with that. And when I described the people, that were standing around my bed. She happened to know them as um, friends of hers that had passed away in England. You know, so certainly at that age, you know, I'm talking five, six years old, I wouldn't know the people that she knew and I certainly wouldn't be able to describe them the way I did if, if I weren't seeing them around my bed. So I'd have to say I had several little things happen as a child, but it all went away and I don't know, I did what everyone does. You know, you get married, went into the military for a while and. You know, all these things are happening in my life. I was a little too busy to tune in, if you will. But then all of a sudden, it, probably around 30 years old, it started coming back. You know, I would just start seeing little visions and knowing things that I shouldn't know. And then slowly I kind of got inquisitive and started reading books and you know, wondering what this was all about. You know, here I am today. Why do you think it automatically turned on in your 30s and not during that period of time from five to, to, that, to that age? I think it was because I was too busy setting up life, you know, and had a family to raise and a business, you know, I was on a police department. I was preoccupied. I think when you do this stuff, number one, you have to have some type of ability that's, that's there in the first place to work on. And then you have to spend hours and hours and hours refining it and understanding and understanding the symbolism that you're getting. The spirit world will speak in many different forms. Sometimes, you know, it's visual, sometimes audible, sometimes it's uh, feeling. As you know, there are many different ways that they'll transmit a message to you. And it's only through experience that you kind of learn. It's not like you and I are speaking right now. 
You know, I wish it were that easy. I wish they would. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's amazing how you'll get to see and hear a spirit just like they're back in the body again. I wish it were always like that. When you were five, were you scared or skeptic or how did it feel for you at that time discovering that you could see spirits or hear them or feel them? It was uh, a little bit frightening. For me, the wake-up call was, I was around five years old, and I've told the story a few times, but I really like it. Um, Not knowing what the future would hold for me, I was uh, in our backyard playing around, and I was creating a little um, police uniform. I'd created, you know, a gun belt that I put on, a fake one, you know, with different things I'd found in the garage. And when it came to putting a badge on my shirt, I went in the house and made one out of aluminum foil, and tried to put a little safety pin on the back. But I was in the backyard all by myself playing and trying to get this badge to stay on my shirt, but it kept falling off, it kept falling off. Either the foil would fall off the uh, safety pin or whatever. And I remember standing there, like little boys do, I started crying, like, why won't it stay on? And I really want to play this little police thing I'm doing in my backyard, why won't it happen? But then it was like uh, the sound, the audio, the clarity, was a, it was a man's voice, totally unexpected, and he used the words, he used my name too, he said, that's okay Chuck, one day you'll be wearing a real badge. And I'll, I'll never forget that because I, you know, like kids do, who the heck is that? They went running in the house, told my mother about it, who immediately went out in the backyard to see if there was some wacko looking over our fence and saying things to me or whatever. And it wasn't until after my mom had passed away I had learned that she too was a medium and she knew that I was it was real I was hearing voices and you know it was for real so what happened was she she didn't want me to do this she didn't want me to take this path she completely nullified everything and told me you know I was just hearing things and you know that's what little boys do and don't make much of it it was really my grandmother who also had the ability who kind of let me know and open the door for me and, and let me know that I had this gift and I'd be doing this stuff later on in my life. Did you ever chat to your mother and ask her why she didn't want you to do this? Yeah, and I'm a little reluctant to talk about this publicly, but I will. And and I, I find it a fair statement that my mom, when she grew up in England, also had a sister who was capable of hearing voices and communicating with spirit. And their way of handling it was to commit her to an insane asylum, you know, and I don't want to prejudge what happened there where the, um, where the doctors wrong, where the, you know, was it just something they did back then because there was no exclamation for it. Um, and to a point I have people who think I'm crazy or just will not buy into it. No matter, I mean, I've located bodies. I've certainly proven myself with this stuff. But there are some people who, no matter what, especially it seems like in the medical field, they have a very hard time accepting that this is for real. So their only way of handling it is, well, let's put this person away and that's the end of that problem. In your book, The Psychic Cop, you talk about you slowly discovering and experiencing your your gifts. How did it affect your role as a police officer at that time? I would say that it certainly did, Aaron. It would, um, there were times when I'd be on patrol and the, you know, I'd be heading in one direction like away from a a major intersection i'd be like a mile or two away and all of a sudden i would very quickly get like a flash and i would see like a school bus or a telephone pole down or something like that and i'd say wow i know where that is and i would turn my car around and start driving in that direction saying 
I feel like I've got to go back to a part of the town that I just left. And sure enough, the radio message would come over, you know, an accident with injuries, bus involved or whatever. And it would be pretty wild. I'd say, oh my gosh, I was already on my way here thinking that something was wrong. But that's something I want to point out too. Police officers work heavily and depend on intuition. You know, whether it's just pulling a car over for a traffic stop, whether it's um, knocking on the door to notify someone that their music is too loud or whatever, they, they've got the antennae up. They're, they're pulling in any surrounding information they can get. You know, am I in danger or not? So I think police officers as a rule, they, they survive by using intuition. With me, the difference was when I realized that that intuition can go beyond that and go out and reach out to another world. Uh, it certainly piqued my interest, and I wanted to learn more about it. And um, why did it pique your interest? Probably a reflection of what happened, you know, knowing that I did it as a child and heard the voice, which I've only heard about three times in my whole life. And when I hear it, it's usually brief, to the point, and always accurate. In fact, it's kind of cute with the voice, I'll never forget. It was one morning, I'm on patrol, and it's approaching 6 o'clock in the morning, and I'm waiting to get off at 8 o'clock in the morning. So the city's just coming to life. And I always thought that was a beautiful thing. You know, you've, you've gone from darkness to light and you've gone from empty streets to, you know, here are a few people, you know, picking up a newspaper or, you know, they're in their car on their way to work with a cup of coffee in their hand. And I always thought it was kind of beautiful to watch the city wake up in the morning. Um, I hate to make this public, but it's true. I was just turning the corner to go down to my favorite coffee shop to have a coffee and a donut. And... <laughs> As I turned the corner, I heard a man's voice, and it was the same one I heard in my yard when I was five years old. It was the same voice, and a very quick, to the point, and clear as a bell, and all he said was, you will be known as the psychic cop. I'm going, what was that? In fact, when I first heard the initial voice, I thought it was the police radio telling me there's a car accident or a burglar alarm or, you know, assist an ambulance. I thought it was the police radio getting ready to give me a call to go on, but it was another message. It was, you will be known as the psychic cop, which later, after I wrote the uh, autobiography and I'm thinking of a title for it, I kind of laughed and said, I've got to go with it. I've got to go with the psychic cop. That's a really cool uh, analogy, but a title for a book. After you left the police force, what happened after that? How, did you continue with your psychic abilities or did you train more? Where did it go? That's in the book, too. It's kind of a funny story where uh, here I am on the police department, and I started reading everything I could get my hands on about the afterlife. And for some reason, I know the reason, I was on a ski trip up in New Hampshire with a group of police officers. We, uh, we would do it every year. We'd take four or five days, go up north uh, to a ski lodge, and we would always make it in December. So the premise was we were going up to go skiing, but we were also going to do our Christmas shopping during the daytime you know while we were up there as a group we would do it so while we were up there uh i remember it was first night was we went skiing everything was great next morning we got up a little i gotta say a little hungover you know we put the television on and well-known psychic medium james van Prague was being interviewed on a television show and it was so funny because even though i had this little bit of you know, backstory going on with, with uh, mediumship, I wasn't aware of what it was all about. I didn't know what it was. And on the TV show, they, they ran the little striker on the bottom of the screen and said, uh, up next, James Van Prague. 
claims to talk to the dead, question mark, question mark, question mark. Well, I almost fell out of my chair laughing, saying, hey, guys, you got to watch this guy coming on. He thinks he can talk to the dead. That's that's just showing you where I was at with the possibility of communicating with people that had passed over at that point. And, you know, we're getting ready to have a little breakfast, watch James Van Prague and see what happens. And I got to admit, he knocked it out of the park. He hit on things with a family that had just lost their son a few weeks earlier that were just impossible for him to know. And they went to great trouble to make sure that he didn't talk to anyone, you know, beforehand in the audience. And every he came in a different door than everyone else came in. It was really James Van Prague who opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, this is possible. Later, he became my mentor. I actually got to, to meet him. On occasion, I'm lucky enough to get to even talk on the phone to James. He's um, He's been a real mentor for me. How did he become a mentor for you? Did you meet up with him or did he call you? Or You know, it was funny. I, and there was a story behind that, too, the way it transitioned. I was uh, It was a snowy, snowy afternoon one day, and I just locked the door on my office and went downstairs, got in my car, started the engine. And all of a sudden, and it wasn't happening to me that often at that point, I would just get these little like a the glimpse of something. And what I saw was my desk, my computer on, and the James Van Prague website on my screen, on my computer. And I went, wow, why would I be seeing that? And it intrigued me so much. Turned the car off, went upstairs, turned the computer on. And of course, back in the day, we're talking the 256 processor in a computer and a dial-up modem, I think at 56K. And it would take forever to even boot up, Not, you know, now I've got to log on to his website, which is really going to take a bit of time. So anyway, the website comes up, and the first thing I notice on it is James Van Prague is at a book signing in the next town over. Which, by the way, for the listeners, I'm from Salem, Massachusetts, is where I, where I was a police officer. You know, they call it the Witch City. Uh, Peabody is the next town over, and I, the website was showing me that he was at a book signing in the next within the next 30 minutes. So it's kind of odd that I hadn't checked out his website in probably a week or two. And here I am looking at it and say, wow, he's going to be, you know, in Peabody. So I went over, went to the book signing. It was very, very crowded. As I stood in line to have my book signed by James, he looked at me and said, is your mother from England? I said, yes, because he wasn't giving readings. He was simply just signing books for everyone and kind of in a rush because of the bad weather. He had to get back to the airport. And he said, now I know who's bugging me. He said that my mother in spirit was talking to his mother in spirit, and my mother was telling James that I could do what he does. So we exchanged information at that point and became friends, all you know, all at that uh, book signing. And that really started it for me. Excellent. And where did he bring you to events? How did he mentor you? Well, what happened was I found at that point in time, you know, being a uh, police officer, you deal with a lot of stuff. You deal with a lot of people. But one thing I was rather green at is, uh, and I was a accident reconstructionist at the time, meaning that if there was a fatal accident, myself and another officer were trained to go in and look at all the mechanics of the accident and try and reconstruct what happened to try and determine, you know, was it alcohol related? Was it mechanical? Was it road conditions? You know, why do we have such a, a horrific accident? And one thing I found very difficult was when you had to deal with the families and walk up to them and say, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss, or what do you say to a family? What I was doing was going to the James Van Prague website, and he had one of the first chat rooms ever. 
where people could go in and talk about losing a child or losing a, a spouse or whatever. And different people would say, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I would pay attention to what they were saying to the person that's grieving. And it was giving me a little bit more to, to work with when I, when later I'd know what to say when I would deal with family members, you know, who are dealing with a loss. So I was kind of looking at it as an educational tool for me. But at the same time, I'm learning about spiritualism. I'm learning more and more about other people saying, you know, I lost my son or daughter, but I could have sworn I saw them standing at the end of my bed two days ago. I want to know, was it them or not? You know, or was it my imagination? So I learned from it. I use it as a learning tool. What is mediumship? To me, the mediumship is simply the ability for a person who's in the physical body to be able to raise your vibration, your, uh, elevate up to a level where you're actually connecting with the energy of a loved one that's, or not even a loved one. It may just be a source of knowledge or intelligence that's there and able to help you. In preparing for your sessions, do you meditate before or do you just go straight in or what's your process? Uh, great question, Aaron. I, I'm funny that when I look at my schedule, like say I have one tomorrow at noon, between now and tomorrow at noon, I'm going to be thinking about the person that I'm going to give the reading to. I'm going to be putting love around that person and, and just absolutely focus on it. Almost like you would if you're getting ready to go on a trip and you're, you know, you know, you're going on a trip, you know, you got your stuff packed, but you're still trying to project being out there and having a good time and enjoying it, making the best of it. I'll do that before reading. Usually I don't like spontaneous readings and they do happen on occasion. I like to have that little bit of a window where I can go into a reading and know I'm going to do it until that reading is over. It's like, I'm a little nervous that I want the right information to come through. And why are you nervous? I wish I could answer that because I've been doing readings now for over 25 years. I still get a little nervous because you don't know the dynamics. You don't know how, how about the person that's in spirit? Do they even want to communicate? How about the person you're giving the reading to? Are they going to understand why they're getting the type of information that they're getting? So there's a lot of question marks before you go into a reading. And I can be a little bit of a perfectionist. Usually I want it to go and I want it to be smooth and I want it to be happy, but it doesn't always work that way. And do you feel that your, your skills of a policeman and investigating, do you, does that integrate into your readings? You know, I try and separate that totally, but I do know that that background gives me a little bit more of a, I, guess I like to use the word backbone. It, it makes me feel that I'm strong enough to do what I have to do now. I have to accomplish it. And I did one the other day where it was a husband and wife, daughter had been murdered and I gave the wife some good information. But as soon as I tried to give some to the dad, he was so negative and, and just, um, I almost wanted to stop the reading and put him out. But I, you know, it's perseverance. You had to sit there and finally convince him that this was his daughter coming through. And when we parted company, he, uh, he was very apologetic and very thankful for the reading that he you know, it's, it's, it's asking a lot of a person to go from not believing to believing all in one session. When a person like that comes to you, is it harder to get the reading through or by the end, do they turn around? I'll have a headache when they leave. <laughs> it's that bad, Aaron. It's, very, it's, it's not fun for me. It's not fun for them. And it's certainly not fun for, in this case for the daughter who's, you know, it seems like everything I said to him, he argued. In fact, I'll just say this part openly. At one point, I said, one of the first things your daughter is showing me around you is I'm seeing that you're clearing a lot of property, you know, meaning 
you're clearing trees and here in Florida, you know, everything's really thick. And he goes, no, I don't know what that means. And the wife said, what do you mean you don't know what that means? You've been in that business for the last 50 years. You own three bulldozers. And I do remember looking at him and said, wait a minute, you own three bulldozers? You live in another jurisdiction, another area completely. I wouldn't know any of that. I said, you're telling me that you own bulldozers, but you don't clear property or you don't clear land? I said, why are we arguing right now? I don't get it. So I think you can see the frustration there, you know, and um, yeah. And he, even when I said, you know, she's doing loving things like putting her arm around and giving him a hug, he's saying, well, all daughters do that. I said, I know, but I'm telling you what she's doing at the moment. I'm, I'm seeing her and I'm telling you this is what she's doing. <laughs> so, and I get it because, hey, I used to be there too. I, I sort of didn't buy into this stuff when I was in my early 20s, at the, you know, until everything kind of broke for me. And, and why did it take so long for your, your own personal journey to come to a junction to agree with what you do? I think I needed proof, and I am embarrassed to say I was of the belief that when you died, you died. Even though I'd had different experiences happening, uh, you know, throughout my childhood and stuff, I don't know why, but I felt like when the spirit leaves the body, it goes somewhere else, and that's the end of it, you know? And I got to admit, James Van Praad proved me wrong. It was like, I, and I give myself credit there. At least I saw a person on television he appeared to be connecting with the, you know, the people on the show with their son that had passed away, gave incredible information, but at least I didn't discount it. I said, wow, there's something going on here and I want to investigate it. And I did, you know, I, I became very curious after that. Do those, does your family respect what you do? Do they understand what you do? You know, it, it started off, it was very difficult. It was, it wasn't even 50-50, you know, for the most part, they thought, what is he doing? He's crazy. But then when I moved from Boston back home to the Florida area, you know, where I grew up, I, uh, I started doing group readings and stuff like that. And I'd even have, you know, rent a hall and we'd do a group reading in a, in a big hall. And then I started going on radio shows and all of that stuff. And individually I found different family members would show up without even letting me know that they were going to be in the audience. They just wanted to see what is this thing he does and to this at this point out of six siblings only one is a will not will not respect what i do but the others the others love it they can't get enough of it and they're actually honored when i'll even call them on the phone and say wow you made time to call me but they've witnessed it in in very high levels of you know information coming through so to them there's no doubt but i do have one younger brother who for whatever reason will not accept it and I respect that. That's his choice. To this day, do the police call you up on information, or is that that door completely shut? We had a funny situation. You know, we I was in Salem, Massachusetts. You know, it's known as the Witch City. The armband has a witch riding a broomstick on it. If you look up Salem, Massachusetts police, and same way on the police car, it's got the emblem with a witch riding on a broomstick. I remember being called in one day to the chief's office. And when I walked in, I could see, even though his computer was facing him, I mean, I was in charge of the computers at that point, I could see in the, the window glass behind him a reflection of his screen. And he called me into his office, and on his computer monitor was the James Van Prague website. And what, he, what happened was he sat me down and he said, uh, we need to talk about this. He said, you know, it's not very good. You're carrying a, a gun and you're hearing voices. <laughs> he said, we could have some problems. So what we did is we set up a, an agreement that whatever I want to do with the spiritual world and all that, I could do it on my own time after work, but I wasn't allowed to 
bring that into the police field. So what I did, Aaron, was kind of interesting. Um, I worked in special operations, so I had access to like the detective division and stuff like that. I would go in and sit on cases kind of discreetly where it would look like I'm in repairing a computer or doing something like that, or, you know, backing up files or something. But I would really be trying to tap in on the energy of people being interviewed for a crime, no matter what it was. And usually I could sit there with them for a matter of three or four minutes and do a little write out a little thing on how, what, who I felt the, the liar was, who I felt was uh, guilty of the crime and stuff like that. And then later I had something to compare it with. It was kind of cool where I could see how the case, you know, and the evidence stacked up and then say, wow, you were either on the mark or off the mark. And then I was running about a 99% accuracy and I wouldn't always tell people what I was doing either. So I used that part of my career as a, a training and as word would get out to the other officers that I'm, you know, able to connect with the spirit world, it was amazing. Different cops would come to my home, have a reading with me, but it had to be with the agreement. I didn't tell any of the other guys that they were having a reading. It was just amazing. The stories I would hear, their loved ones that would come through, the validations were incredible, but yet they still weren't of a level where they could tell other people that, yeah, Chuck could do this, and he really helped me with it. You talked about energy there for a moment. When you do a reading, do you harness into the energy or the family member or what happens? I call it a three-way communication. It's like my energy, I want that to be of a high level. I want to be in good health when I do it. And I want the person I'm reading to be on the same level and really want the reading. And absolutely, it's amazing how on, on a session where I have, especially group readings, when I do a group reading, the energy can be like a, a super high it can be like a buzz later on where you, you just feel so happy and you're almost picking up their happiness you're you know by they i mean spirits you're picking up their happiness their higher vibration you've got all that energy around you and it really feels good but the larger the group is it can actually wear you down because it's it's not easy to keep matching these different frequencies of different spirits that are coming through when you do a reading, is it in your house or is it in another environment where you don't bring home whatever? Typically, it will be in my home. And it's, it's a very nice setting. You know, you, as you look through the, um, the living area, you're looking out at a wooded area, very nice, peaceful and uh, very quiet neighborhood. I don't like really going to other people's homes because, you know, they either have animals that are distracting or the doorbell will ring or they've got a... a uh, I know one place I go to, they've got animals, plus I'm a non-smoker and there are smokers around me that make it kind of difficult for me as a non-smoker. And this one in particular, I'm remembering, they have a, every 15 minutes, the, uh, the clock will chime, which if you're in the middle of trying to interpret a message and you're hearing a clock chiming away, it can be distracting. I like my own setup, my own environment, or I like going to a rented hall where, you know, it's it's controlled, it's quiet. In your reading, do you just focus on energy? Do you have uh, an angel deck or a tarot deck, or is it just energy? I would say energy. It's all energy. And they're all different. Uh, I've noticed they're all different. They all communicate differently. Some are better than others. Some have me laughing the whole time. Some will even play jokes on me. They'll have me say certain things that, you know, I don't even want to say it to the person in front of me, you know, and bringing the point, I from Miami to where I live is an eight-hour drive. And I had a, a family coming up. They had lost an 18-year-old daughter to a car accident. And when they sat down, it was pretty amazing where 
first thing I wanted to do was I pointed to the mom who was wearing jeans and I said, you know, I'd like to roll up your pant leg just over your right ankle and just above your ankle, I'd like to give you a little kiss right there. And I don't know why that's coming through, but it made me feel like, wow, they're going to think I'm crazy to start a reading off like that. But the mom reached down and pulled up her pant leg and she had just had a tattoo of her daughter's face and name put right there on the inside of her leg, just above the ankle. So I'm just trying to show you how, because I'm sitting there saying, how do I say this to this woman? And, you know, I've got other family members. I'm going to look a little weird wanting to, like, roll up her pant leg and kiss her just above her little ankle area. But as she walked in and she's wearing the long pants, I had no way of knowing why I was being drawn to that part of her body and why I would make a statement like that. So some of it's risky. You, you, you sit there arguing with the spirit saying, why are you making me do this? And is it accurate? And should I do this? And then you have your own morals where you might even say, no, no, no. I know you want me to do that, but I'm not going to do it. I've learned that when I trust them, they'll give me more stuff like that. And usually if I do it the way they're asking me to do it, it's funnier. So I usually go along with it. And how do you earn their trust? You're easy. You earn the trust by the more stuff they give you. And then you say, well, let me check this out with the individual, you know, the person I'm reading. And if they agree with what I'm saying, then I know I've got a good link going on. I know that, okay, it's accurate. I know I can trust this. You know, usually when I do a reading, people tell me, I kind of pull out the bizarre stuff. I don't, I don't want to just say things that, oh, you went to bed last night and you were crying for your mom. Well, you know, day before reading, that's, that's likely. I don't work on uh, probability. You know, it's like I start every reading off fresh and whatever they want to give me from the other side, that's what I give out. With mediumship, they say, they tell you about the past, the future and the, the present. Do you focus on any of that or is it just what comes up? Typically, it'll come out either way. Um, I've had it to the point where people will ask questions and I, I don't really want to go down that road. I feel like, no, my my forte is to do the reading and connect with a loved one. But if they're willing to give the information... I'm more than happy to give it. And it's some, I've had thousands of emails come back where people are, are saying, hey, you told me this. And of course, I won't even remember. I'll say, why would I tell anyone that? And then they'll tell me how it turned out to be so true, you know. But you do have to be careful because some things have to be interpreted. You may think it's clearly one thing, but it could be relating to another thing. So you really have to be careful when you give out the information. Over your X amount of years of doing this, would you change anything? No, I think I've been very lucky that I've gotten a lot of recognition for what I do. There might be one or two unsatisfied customers out there, out there, but, you know, there's a reason why even Target has a customer service division, you know, because people aren't always happy. And some people, you're not going to make them happy no matter what. But I look at the odds. I mean, I look at the um, all the good times I've had with it and all the thankful people that I've had and the people that I've helped. If you've got one or two people that just weren't happy with it, then that's a drop in the bucket. And trust me, I've even had people come to me and start off telling me I had a reading with so-and-so, and and it might be a well-known medium, and they weren't happy with them either. So some people, you're not going to make them happy no matter what. And, and, you know, you got to go into it understanding that's that's just the way it's going to be. From reading your book and talking to you, it sounds like your life has been orchestrated in the both physical and metaphysical if you were looking back at that, would you change anything? I'm just um, excited that you've picked up on that, Aaron. I felt that too, that if I had to sit down and write my life, you know, before it all happened and everything, I couldn't have done 
I couldn't have even come close to the way this lifetime has been. Um, I find it remarkable, and yeah, it's had its ups and downs, but there are things that have happened to me that just don't happen to the normal person. Sometimes I look at other people and say, wow, I don't see a lot going on in your lifetime compared to what I'm going through. And, you know, what do you, what do you have to do to change that? Or do you want it changed? Are you okay with living every day like Groundhog Day, where today will be like yesterday, you know? Like I said, I've had my ups and downs with it, but uh, mostly ups, and the ups are incredible. I feel very fortunate and just love the way these things have fallen into place. What's in store for Chuck for the future? I'm not really sure because I feel like I'm slowly reaching a whole new dimension with everything that I'm doing. I'm cert- I've certainly reached a confidence level that helps with committing to what I do. I feel that right around the corner for me is going to be even more of a, a recognition for what I've done in the past and what I'm doing now. And I, I see only good. You know the way with mediumships, you, you see them on TV and you hear them on these hotlines. What do you think about that? I love it that people are, number one, just put in the word psychic medium and watch how many returns you get from Google. I think. I like it that people are discovering that they've got the ability, but I I do see a little bit of a red flag with that. There's nothing like experience and interpretation that you get with with that experience. Some people may get lucky saying, hey, I think your mother's here. Was her name Mary? And the person says yes. And then all of a sudden they've got a website and they're, you know, they're selling readings to people. I've had a few readings from people that were just nonsense. And yet I've had other people who were just breaking out in this with readings that would blow me away with information that were just you know really really incredible in fact i've had it recently given to me where the information was was just off the charts and uh i think seeing the good people on tv it's a good thing because it kind of gives you a format of who do i want to go to excellent and chuck where can we find you my website is chuckbergman.com spelled c-h-u-c-k-b-e-r-g-m-a-n.com in fact, if you want to see me in action, there are two cute videos. One is uh, an actual crime that I worked on uh, right after I retired from the police department. Because, like I said, I had to keep it somewhat quiet while I was on the department. And I've only been retired now for 11 years. So I've had a lot happen in 11 years, including recovering about six different bodies, and even in different countries. I've done it by Skype. I've done it by regular telephone. I've done it uh, in person. I've done it in California. Uh, I've just had so much happen in the 11 years. I feel the the next 11 years for me are gonna just double and it's gonna be even better. Fantastic. I just wanna say thank you, Chuck, for taking your time and coming onto the show and share your experiences, your stories and so on. My pleasure. And uh, I've checked out your website, Aaron. You're doing a wonderful thing. I think you're getting some great guests uh, that you're interviewing and put, posting on the website. And I'm going to put a link over there for mine, if you don't mind, and let people uh, who check out my website check yours out. Thanks, Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely.